Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is hair a material? Are biscuits a material? Are crystals a material? Is plastic a material? Is porridge a material? Can gases be a material? Are eggs a material? Is water a material? What do you call everything that isn't a material? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh at your question. And yet you continue to do so. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Real Talk. As always, I'm your host, Anna Pajajski, and this time I'm joined by Sarah Jones. By night, Sarah is a stand-up comedian, but she spends her days looking at sulphide minerals, in particular a process called bio-leaching, which is when you use bacteria to extract metals from rocks. In this conversation, we focus on one rock in particular called stibnite, from which we get little-known metalloid antimony. We discuss both stibnite and antimony here, but first, Sarah started by describing for me the process of bioleaching. We can use microbial metabolisms, uh, particularly sulfur and, and iron metabolisms, to mine metals out of sulfide minerals. So basically, if they've got sulfur oxidizing metabolisms, what they do is they use sulfur to generate energy. In doing so, they generate sulfuric acid. And then acid attacks the mineral. Oh, okay. Lets the metal out. So that's basically bioleaching. Bioleaching is like much more environmentally friendly in that it's way less energy intensive. So normally to get metals out of these minerals, you'd be using like pyro methods, which are really, really like energy like intensive. Like heating it up, basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Just heating it up to get the metals out. And that's really energy intensive. Like in a blast furnace. Yeah. So what bacteria do is they really reduce that energy cost. And they also, uh, they reduce the cost cost, the monetary cost. So it means that minerals that otherwise... Oh, so I guess that's another way it's more environmentally friendly. Because it means you can use stuff that normally would have just been thrown on like the slag heap before. Um, you can... <laughs> so Story like, of my life. <laughs> so like lower grade ore. Before it wouldn't have been cost effective to to get the metals out of it. But if you're just sticking it in a vat with some bacteria, it's not it's costing you anything. Yeah. yeah, just let let the bacteria do all the work. Get metals out of rock that otherwise wouldn't have been viable. So you're digging, digging up less, using less energy. Everybody wins with bacteria. <laughs> unless that bacteria is like if you're a rock. TV or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been reading about how biomining was first discovered. Um, and apparently in 1951, someone called Kenneth Temple discovered, and this is the name of the bacteria, um, Acidithiobacillus ferrooxidans. Yeah, so that's like 
that's like the um <laughs> the OG of <laughs> <laughs> uh, of like not only the biomining world but also like acid mine drainage is huge contributor to that. Anywhere you find acid waters, basically, you're probably getting uh, acidic thiobacillus peroxidans in it. Um, it's everywhere. It's really tolerant, basically. Okay. It's, uh, apart from to like alkaline conditions, but <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if there's acid there, yeah. you're probably getting that bad boy because um, nice. It does turn up absolutely everywhere, and it's because it's got both a sulfur metabolism and an ion metabolism. Right. It's an ion oxidizer. It's a sulfur oxidizer. I think it can even be um, an ion reducer. It just adapts to whatever it's got going on there. Wow. Really. Okay. So yeah, yeah, like it can thrive in all of these different kind of acidic environments. Yeah. And I think it can also metabolize things like uranium. That yeah, that's definitely been researched. So it's also the most researched bacteria. So it's one of those classic things where is it actually the most prolific thing everywhere or is it just that people were like, "Oh, that's easy to grow." And so they've researched it loads. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it might actually be that there's other stuff. So one particular mineral that you were looking at in your PhD was stibnite, which is something that I've actually never heard of. So what is what is this rock? So stibnite is uh, it's a sulfide mineral, woo, woohoo, um, and it's uh, it's basically just antimony, which is a metalloid, and sulfur. That's it. It's present pretty much everywhere in the world. Yeah, and from um, this we get antimony. Yeah. It was known to the ancients, so ah. it was like um, it was like used in ancient Egypt uh, as makeup, and it's still used as makeup in like huge swathes of the world. What kind of makeup? So uh, originally it was called coal, or it's yeah. where coal comes from, um, and so it's used as like eye makeup, eyeliner, mascara. I think crushed yeah. up stibnite is made into a kind of dark powder that you put in your eye um but wouldn't recommend it because it's a eye irritant <laughs> so, but they persisted oh. with it for thousands of years just <laughs> just because it looked great yeah exactly <laughs> who doesn't suffer <laughs> like, like yesterday i had major hay fever but was full-on wearing a face of makeup and i was just like why have i done this <laughs> and i reckon that's what the uh, ancient egyptians were like what else is it used for do you know yeah so it's used in like electronics and it's used particularly in semiconductors when it's when it's super pure. So if you get antimony, basically, get a super pure antimony purified from stibnite, uh, you can use it in semiconductors. Mm. So it's basically probably in like loads of stuff you own. Yeah. Unless you're like one of those people who's against uh, technology. But I mean, you're probably not because you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, for 24 hours this week, was one of those people that was against technology because I dropped my phone in the loo. And I came to realise that, I mean, I'm just too addicted to it. Like, that's why it dropped in the loo, yeah. because I was taking my phone to the loo. <laughs> and, like, for these 24 hours, I just felt so liberated. Did you drop it in the loo, like, pre or post loo use? Pre, pre. Oh, that's way better. It was, in, it was way better. <laughs> it was in my back pocket. Uh, and as I lowered yeah. my drawers, <laughs> I heard a plop. And then I, in the end, then I dug it out. And then it was fine for a little bit. I mean, the screen was a little bit screwed. Um, and then I plugged it in overnight and it, like, shorted the battery or something. Oh, no. But what I came to realise is that, like, actually, we use our phones for everything. Like, I'd prearranged to meet some friends and I just had to turn up at a place, at, at like, a time and a place. Oh, like the 90s? Like the 90s, yeah. when you would, like... <laughs> Yeah, agree with someone on the landline when and where you were going to meet. And then days later, you'd both be there. Yeah. 
<laughs> and you couldn't be late, which would be terrible for me because I love being late. You can't be late. Yeah. Because I'll be like, to... they've forgotten. Yeah, my friends were about 15 minutes late and I was just sitting there like, they've probably messaged me saying they're yeah. not coming. And now I'm here um, forever. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether to leave. Exactly. And my chronic anxiety issues will mean I have to stay in case. This is it, exactly. And so um, then I was like, oh, maybe I can like replace my smartphone with a normal phone like an old-fashioned phone. But then I realised I'd have to buy a map of the world, a calculator... Um, Game Boy. A Game Boy, a Walkman... A camera. A camera, uh, an alarm clock. <laughs> like, all these things. A notebook as well. I a notebook. like, a pen. A, a personal dating assistant. <laughs> You'd have to, like, put an ad in the paper. You'd have to do a, a personal dating. ad. <laughs> I've actually um, deleted Tinder, so I wouldn't have that to do is that. correct. That is the correct thing to do. The, the worst way I've actually lost a phone is is in a similar watery grave, but not a toilet one. I was carrying like all my food and a pint of water, and I balanced my phone on top of the pint oh, of water. No. And what I thought was, oh, I'll just slightly tip this glass of water so that my phone slides onto the sofa and then I can sit down. That was but so. It was bold. the stupidest thing I've ever done because it just instead of sliding into the sofa, it just slid into the glass, like... and then the glass of water went on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I don't deserve to do a PhD. There's a mistake you'll never make again. Though. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, it was a, a you know learn by learn by experience <laughs> situation. Um, so we've both sort of like killed antimony, right? Yeah, like we both yeah. fried electronics. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, like that pint of water, you can also find antimony in uh, fire extinguishers. Amazing segue. <laughs> it was so smooth. <laughs> <laughs> fire extinguishers yeah so it's um it, it yeah antimony i think it's antimony oxide antimony trioxide actually okay uh it's used as a fire retardant um mm. so actually maybe it's not in fire extinguishers maybe it's just in uh like coatings which it is it's in coatings <laughs> that you use to make things fire retardant because of the bloody eu making everything <laughs> is it really no oh. <laughs> well i mean because of the eu we have to uh have retard fires retard fires exactly sure. like in the old days when britain was about british <laughs> you could just you could set fire to your clothes you could set fire to your hair now because of the unelected bureaucrats i don't think we can use this <laughs> absolutely not <laughs> um but yeah uh yeah basically these days people regard it as good if if you don't cause fires so what like what you have to do is coat your goods in a fire retardant and uh yeah a key component in a lot of fire retardants is antimony trioxide so when you see on your clothes fire resistant is that because it's got a thin layer of Antimony trioxide. I think it might do. Like really? sometimes, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's not the only fire retardant, but sure. it's certainly a. It's one of the one of the greats. <laughs> <laughs> the con- the informed consumer. Why yeah. not? <laughs> Why not select antimony if you're so, next retarded fire? <laughs> so antimony brings us lots of social anxiety in the form of like Twitter and Tinder. Yes, and no fires. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And fit eye makeup. Yeah, in the in the past and, and in other eyes. parts of the world, actually, still to say. Yeah, um, and also if you've got leishmaniasis, which like you probably haven't. What's but, that? So it's it's a parasite. It's one of those like uh, invisible parasites, you know, like oh, a, it, it's like a microbe, um, but then it causes. So it, I think it's leishmania. I think leishmania is is the 
parasite. Um, and then it causes like massive lesions on your oh no skin. Uh, so you'd know if you had it, <laughs> right? Um, but it's it's quite untreatable. With a lot of current medicines are not uh, very good for it. So um, not not very good as in not effective. Mm. Um, so you can use antimony, uh, like pentavalent antimony, mm. as a form of medicine. Yeah. So in the past, we used to we we as in humanity um, used to use antimony as a medicine in the form of like you'd take it because it would make you vomit and they'd think that was a good way of getting like all your ill humours out. Oh, the four humours. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So instead of using leeching and leeching, the other kind of leeching, so <laughs> the wiggly leech, leech on you, yeah. um, you could use antimony to make you vom and sweat and stuff. And then huh. people will be like, oh, look at all the evil spirits leaving them. This um, is like when they used to use mercury as like a medicine, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not, yeah. So the four humours, if I remember rightly, are blood, vom, <laughs> red, no, blood, vom. Bile is one of them. Yellow bile and black bile. There's two kinds of bile oh, in there. phlegm one of them though? Oh, maybe phlegm. So blood, it might be blood phlegm. Maybe yellow bile is phlegm. <laughs> I definitely, I think if I was going to say I had any any of the too much humours, I reckon I've got too much phlegm. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm allergic to everything. Oh, really? Um, well, it's classic, like, I'm itchy all summer from right. hay fever and then I'm itchy all winter from people's pets that I'm indoors with. Oh, no. Um, and myself, because I've got a lovely dog. So how do you, what, if you were going to treat yourself using the four humours method... How do you get less phlegm? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe Antimony would do it. Maybe I could sweat hey. my phlegm out. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is an emetic, so it does. It makes you sick, basically. Oh, nice. Um, um, listeners, don't repeat any of the medical advice yeah, that you listen to on this podcast. Definitely, <laughs> definitely don't. So I read something um, interesting about Antimony. Um, no, about Stibnite, actually. The alchemists, those classic guys that just loved chemistry, um, in the 17th century, they because they thought that you could just transform lots of materials into other materials, including gold, that was the ideal one, they thought that you could transmute stibnite into mercury, which in itself was a precursor to the Philosopher's Stone. Every single day of my life, somebody makes a Harry Potter reference to me that I don't understand because mm. I've never read or seen the films. You should probably read it. That's what everybody tells me. If only to but, know more about the history of Stebnite. But I feel like like 20 years on, it's too late to get started on it. No, it's <laughs> like, never too late. <laughs> <laughs> also, my housemate said I would be in Slytherin, which I don't know how to take. I'm in Slytherin. That's oh, fine. Okay, It's totally fine. That's the best one. Do you want my other fun fact? Yes, um, always. Pliny, Pliny, Pliny the Elder. Oh, yeah. Do you know I about would this say guy? Pliny as well, but I don't I know. I mean, this is maybe another thing that I've always yeah. read wrong and said it wrong. Um, made a distinction. Maybe it's Irish. Maybe it's like, I don't know. Putin or something. <laughs> Putin the Elder. <laughs> yeah, so Putin the Elder um, made a distinction between the male and female forms of antimony. So classically gendered yeah. binary distinctions. And classically wrong once again, because it's all it's all just bloody antimony. Right. Like, uh, it's not even a spectrum, it's just all the same yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so We're all the, the same in the eyes of geologists. <laughs> That's the key message. So, so these different two forms, um, the male form, we now think was probably the sulfide, whilst the female form, which is the superior, heavier and less crumbly form, 
<laughs> That's what my dating profile says. Right. Uh, was suspected to be native metallic antimony. Oh, okay. The yeah. purer form. I mean, that's super, that's pretty rare. Again, like pure antimony. And... Maybe that's why. Oh, yeah. You know, women, super rare. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Do we know where the name antimony comes from? Ooh, um, I feel like I've heard this before. Well, actually, there's quite a few Antimon. conflicting. <laughs> what were you going to say? <laughs> Sing the song. <laughs> Sing the song. Sing the song. We can sing it together. I think I need the punchline. No, the punchline. What's the lead in the lead in line to it, which is just saying antimony. Uh, yeah. Are we singing this antimony? Antimony. So every time I hear antimony, I, I always sing antim timony, tim timony, tim tim tiri. Ah, I was gonna sing it different. How we <laughs> What's the more like how can we make this a number one hit? That's the sure. Um, I guess we need like Jedward. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we could take it on Britain's Got. We could be like on the bloopers reel of Britain's Got Talent. <gasps> yes, with like a metals and metalloid based song with a metal band behind us. Heavy metalloid. We can <laughs> call it the new one hundred percent. But we can only be the female heavier metal. Oh, exactly. Version. Less crumbly. <laughs> Less crumbly. Superior. Um, <laughs> so there's a various conflicting opinions on the etymology of antimony. One of them, which is my favourite, uh, is the Greek anti monachos or the French antimony. <laughs> Not sure which. <laughs> Uh, which would mean monk killer. Oh, okay. Um, and is explained by the early alchemists being monks and also being poisoned. Maybe they were actually just licking mercury. Yeah. And they got... Well, isn't licking quite like a geological test? Yeah. I mean, lots of geologists will do that. They'll lick a rock and uh, to see how it... Oh, like some people will even like bite down, like crunch on it so that... It, oh, yeah. um, so they get the like the texture of how gritty it is. But that's they? a hardness test, isn't it? Mm, I guess so. 
I mean, that would just be testing how hard my teeth are in a lot. <laughs> Compared um, to the rock. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah like, where are teeth on the Moa's hardness scale? Five. Are they? Yeah. So antimony is supposedly softer than teeth. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I only know this because it's part of my show. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, the reason... Well, so we're talking here about the Moore's hardness scale. Yeah. Which is, like, the thing that actually material science stole from geology. Sorry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Where you rank all materials from one to ten in terms of hardness. Yeah. So, like, everybody knows that diamond is at number ten, right? Like, that's, that's classic. But, well, you will know what number one is. Oh, it's talc. It's talc. What is talc? Calcium carbonate? Is it? I don't know. Nobody knows. Oh, okay. They do. I don't know. I think it's calcium carbonate. Perhaps. Um, I feel like it's definitely got calcium. Which is chalk. Yeah. Yeah, I think talc is just chalk, isn't it? Maybe not. Mm. I feel like talc might be one of those things where it used to be something else. Ah, okay. And now it's... um. Uh, like now it's made of I don't know dust or something. Sure, I mean um, basically nobody knows what talc is, clearly. Yeah. Uh, but it is the softest material. And yeah, yeah so you've got all, like you've, all these different materials ranked from one to ten, and you can use other hard things to dent or to scratch less hard things. Yeah. So the reason that I know about teeth is because teeth is a classic test. So if you bite <laughs> if you bite a rock and it's and it like gets dented, then you know that it's got hardness less than five. If you use your finger learn on it, you know it's less than two and a half. Oh, right. And I think you can also use stainless steel knives, which are like a seven or an eight or whatever. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so if you're sitting on a mountain and you scratch a rock or you bite a rock. Yeah, so then you can I don't really understand then how... Because stibnite, we were talking about this earlier, stibnite mm. is a two on the most hardness scale. So that's pretty... It's it's talkier than... Madness. Um, than, uh, than it is diamondy. But, like, I mean, even if you try and scratch with your nail... It, you're not really getting much off there and when I've had to smash it up to try and get bacteria to grow on it I've had to use a sledgehammer like a tiny little normal hammer or even a medium sized hammer even a middle class hammer won't get anywhere with it right. I need a big old sledgehammer which luckily I have with me <laughs> yeah well so this leads us nicely onto our experiment of the podcast this is really only the second episode that we've ever done experiments I feel like I maybe need a jingle for it or something Anna's experiment section. I love it. Yes, let's keep that. So we've got some... And, uh, I really hope that doesn't come back. To it. <laughs> um, we have some stibnite in the studio, which is yes, exciting. Yes, that's true. I brought a, a few different kinds, but I brought my favourite one, mm. uh, which is from Sardinia. If if any of you ever go to Sardinia and you want to get some of this exact stibnite, it's from the Sioux Surgeru... I mean, maybe don't listen to me. Maybe talk to an actual Italian. Um, Is that Italian? Yeah, it's meant to be. I think it's like Sugeru mine. Sure. In Sardinia. Great. So there's probably only one stib like mine in Sardinia, I imagine. (laughs) So if you try and scratch that with your nail. Yeah, I mean, in theory, you should Will it indent? Oh, do you know what? If you look at the more exposed surface, maybe a little bit. I don't Mm. know. This is a good experiment for an audio medium, isn't it? Yeah, this is interesting about like whether you can crack it using a hammer or not and dent it with only your fingernail. Because I feel like trying to break it is a different property than trying to scratch it. Yeah. Like breaking stuff is to do with like, I think it would be to do with resistance to fracture, which is toughness as opposed to hardness, which is resistance to scratching. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. 
because it doesn't take the same level of force to scratch your glasses as it does to uh, break, break your them. glasses. Yeah. Exactly. So that yeah. does make sense. There you go. The nuances of material science yeah. are very subtle. <laughs> Just remember that I was wearing glasses, which yeah. is quite unusual. <laughs> okay, so we are going to attempt to break this rock. It's what? lucky that our usual friends in the office yeah. next door are not here because what? Sarah has brought with her the biggest sledgehammer I've ever seen. Yeah, I got a lot of suspicious looks on the walk here, um, but I got no cat calls for the first time in weeks. So hey. maybe this is the new solution. Yeah, you know, it's the- literally probably over a meter in handle length. <laughs> and let's see the end of the club end. I don't know what's that like a few kilos. Yeah. Anyway, should we should we try this? Yeah, I think we should. I'll commentate. Yeah. So Sarah has put the rock on the floor onto on top of a piece of newspaper and is lifting the hammer up about oh no, that's not done it. I feel like this might disrupt downstairs. Yeah, I think that might be true. I'm um, gonna try one more time. Try one more time and then it can be an accident. Oh my god, no. that was loud. That was loud. It hasn't it hasn't it hasn't broken it. Hasn't um, well, what we will do is we'll go outside, maybe. Yes, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, and smash it. We'll do it after the podcast. Yeah, I feel like that hammer has the potential to go through the floor. Yes, that's possibly true. Um, also, what you should do is give it a bit of a smell now because yeah, it gives off a bit of a kind of... Oh, I should say that. It gives off a bit of a... I don't know. How would you describe that smell? Savoury. It smells like the sea. Oh, yeah. Do you think? Yeah, it's um, like salty. Oh, I almost feel like it reminds me a bit of, um, you know, like strings in a musical shop. Not that well. No, that was a bit of a weird reference. You mean like guitar strings? Yeah, I think so. I guess it's a bit mentally. This, that's why it can be part of our heavy metal band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Well. The unoxidized surface is very shiny, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll tweet a picture of it when we are actually able to crack a hole in it. Um, so if people have been interested in our antimony adventures, where can people go to have a look at what these minerals look like? I'd go to the Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. They've got um, they've got a few stibnites there. They've actually got like 600 stibnites there, but they're all in the... Um... They're all in the back. In the vaults. Yeah. Um, I've definitely spoken about this on the podcast before, but like the best date I've ever been on was at the Rock Room <laughs> at the National History Museum. Yeah, it's a solid date. I've also been on a date there, to be Have fair. Nice. Well, I mean, to the Natural History Museum, but I went, like, I was like, oh, let's go to the Rock Room. Yeah. L- look at my knowledge of sulfide minerals. <laughs> um, and how did that work out? I mean, I'm now still going out with that guy. Hey. So. <laughs> Pretty good then. Yeah. Not, the, you know, what I'm saying is geology rocks like it's horrible i hate that <laughs> well if people have enjoyed hearing the podcast where can they come and find you do your comedy gold on the 24th of july i'm doing a comedy gig in Taproom in islington so that gig's going to be called wales versus england and it's going to be welsh comics and english comics and they're going to be doing stand-up and then you get to vote for which country is funnier and then on the 31st of july i'm doing a gig that I run called uh, Professor Malice's Science Apocalypse, <gasps> where I play Professor Malice, who's an evil microbiologist from Cumbran, who is planning to destroy England and is interviewing teams 
of scientists to take with her to the new Welsh-dominated science-based world. I'm seeing a running theme here. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I miss living in Wales, basically, so Aww. I have to run comedy nights that are themed uh, to alleviate that. And also, we're going to be taking a show up to the Edinburgh Fringe. Yes. It has just been announced. Yes. So uh, me and Anna and a bunch of other um, science comedians, we're going to be um, in the Edinburgh Fringe doing a special version of Science Show Off, which is going to be uh, an hour-long show with just two half-hour acts in it. So you'll get you'll get a combination of us. Uh, you might get me and Steve Cross. You might get me and a mystery other guest to, we don't know yet. Yet to be announced, um, but definitely a very special guest. Um, <laughs> uh, you might get Anna and who are you? Who are you Jasmine Fairfield. Nice. Yeah. That sounds like a good, good of that one. Not going to mind. Yeah, so we're going to be at Opium, which is on Cowgate. I yeah. think it starts at 9.15. Hey, Anna from the future here. It actually starts at 8.45pm, so hope to see you there. Actually, I'm in the future, aren't I? So I've already seen the show. And it's great. We're there all month. Yeah. The whole of August. If you like science jokes, and not science jokes actually, just like people who are scientists saying jokes that are really funny, not yeah. not like the jokes we just did It's like geology. this podcast, <laughs> but live. Yeah. Well, that's all we've got time for. So thank you for coming on the show. Amazing. Thanks for having me. So that was the brilliant Sarah Jones. Thanks to her for coming on the show. After the recording, we took the sledgehammer outside and did manage to eventually crack the stibnite, and I can confirm that the inside was really shiny. Now to the questions. Alex Lathbridge from Popular Science Podcast Why Aren't You a Doctor Yet? asks, what makes some materials more flexible than others? Well, the flexibility of a material is all down to how easily the atoms inside can move over one another. So, for example, a really flexible material like rubber or silicone is so flexible because the atoms are in long strings of molecules, which are mostly all jumbled up in a big, sticky, amorphous mess. There are only weak forces in between them, meaning that the molecules can easily slip and slide over each other to allow the object to change shape a lot and be really flexible. Metals tend to be crystalline, which means that all the atoms stack up in neat rows to make up an orderly, repeating atomic structure. The stronger bonds between the atoms in metals means that it takes more energy to move the atoms around and therefore change the shape of the objects, but it's not impossible to bend metal. Now, occasionally, a metallic atomic structure will be missing an atom, and this can be used to shift all of the metal atoms in that piece of crystal along by just one place for each atom to undergo a tiny movement to allow the whole crystal to move. The easier these so-called dislocations can move along the structure, the more flexible the metal. Other defects in the structure can stop these dislocations from moving, which makes the material more brittle. Now, you will have all experienced this in bending paper clips repeatedly until they snap. The bending introduces more and more defects which block the flow of material until it becomes too brittle and just snaps. So that's it for this time on Real Talk. Don't forget to say hello to us on Twitter. We're at Real Talk. That's R-I-A-L Talk. Rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and spread the word about the podcast to all your best pals. So until next time, as ever, I've been Anna Pajajski and you've been listening to Real Talk. Oh, hang on, I've got one about miners as well, which is also relevant to my Welsh heritage. Go on. 
What did the miner say when it turned out he, he found pyrite instead of gold? What? A-U- <laughs> <laughs> Please, can you explain the pun? Because um, AU is the chemical symbol for gold, which doesn't really... You would never make that as an exclamation, uh, but that's just a joke I found online. So. <laughs> 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 Never. Ow. I guess it could be. Oh, oh yeah. I guess you could pronounce it's it like that. That makes that. more sense. It's probably that. Small details are big surfaces. Tight or odd shapes. your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new custom spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.